This is Archive Atlanta, episode 67, Alexander Hamilton, Replay. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey guys, happy Friday. If you're a podcast junkie like me, you'll see shows that re-release older episodes from time to time. And I always wonder, like, what are the official rules around this? How established do you have to be? How many episodes until you can repeat one? I don't know the answers, but February is Black History Month. Alexander Hamilton is still my favorite episode to date. And my resources and researching skills have improved so much since starting this podcast a year and a half ago. And here we are a re-release of my very first Archive Atlanta episode. But I am re-recording it because I have new and fresh information to add in. And yes, I'm still going to open with my corny joke, the one where I say, I know what you're thinking, but it's not that Alexander Hamilton. Atlanta has its own Alexander Hamilton, and his story is the epitome of the American dream. Rising from enslavement to elected office, then owning his own business, his name would continue to live on through his son and future descendants. The city is filled with both ordinary and extraordinary buildings that his company constructed. And I'm excited to bring this story back to the forefront for you. Alexander Hamilton was born enslaved in either Georgia or North Carolina. We're not exactly sure. I saw some records um, from the Union Enlistment for North Carolina, but I couldn't be positive that that's who we're talking about. In 1861, the Civil War breaks out and he joins the fight as a soldier in the Union Army, fighting for his very freedom. After the war, he married Martha Ann Coker, who they called Maddie, and they moved to Eufaula, Alabama, where they had five children. I did episode 55 all about Reconstruction, and I talked about the election of African-American men to many Southern state legislators. In Georgia alone, we had 100,000 new black voters, and that voting power elected 33 black legislators to public office. I don't know about the statistics in Alabama, but Alexander Hamilton is one of these newly elected officials, and he became involved in Alabama politics, first serving two years in the state legislature and then on the Eufaula City Council. Sadly, his wife Maddie dies, leaving him a widower with five kids. And I couldn't confirm if Maddie dies when they're living in Alabama or after their move to Atlanta, but we do know that after the families move here in 1877, our widower meets and marries Katie Grant. He also starts his contracting firm and becomes a well-respected builder. Alexander and Maddie's firstborn was named Alexander Daniel Hamilton after his father. And Alexander D., which is what we're going to call him going forward for the sake of clarity, was born in 1870 in Alabama, but he grew up here in Atlanta. He attended public schools and then went on to college at Atlanta University, where he studied carpentry in the industrial department for three years. When he graduates, he joins his father's contracting firm. Two years after joining that, and in 1892, he marries Nellie Marie Cook, and they had seven children. They were named, ready for this, Alexander Hamilton. They picked Junior, though, this time. Eunice, Theron, Henry, Marion, and Nellie, after the mother, and Joseph. There's a book called The National Cyclopedia of the Colored Race, Volume 1. Uh, It's basically a who's who of black successful men and a few women in the United States at the time it was written, which in this version was 1919. In the preface, it says that the book's purpose is, quote, to inform and to inspire, end quote. And there's this really great piece on Alexander D. that I want to read to you guys. 
quote, he owns a $7,000 home, has pieces of rent property valued at $5,500, carries $17,000 of life insurance, the payment of whose policies requires a pretty large income, and has some $3,000 invested in various Negro enterprises, end quote. It also goes on and on to talk about his civic and church involvements and his father's stress on his education. He was an active member of First Congregational Church, which I talked about in episode 44, and he was a member of the Standard Life in Georgia Real Estate and Loan. So this is just, it's hard to imagine it, but this is like a national brag book. Um, And so Alexander Hamilton was such a big deal that he was listed in it. Now let's get on into what the firm built that is still existing in Atlanta today. In 1908, attorney Linton C. Hopkins is living on 14th Street, right alongside Piedmont Park. Alexander Hamilton would be building his new house, which today stands at 239 15th Street. It's a single-clad Dutch colonial revival, and it's inside Ansley Park, which was a wealthy white neighborhood from the start, and it's pretty much still is. So at the turn of the century, two years after Atlanta's deadly race riot, two black men are building a mansion for a white attorney. That's pretty crazy. And it tells us that the Hamilton firm was highly skilled and sought after. In 1911, Alexander Hamilton passes away. And now Alexander D. begins to run the company on his own. He changes the name to Alexander D. Hamilton, Builder, and he has an office at 69 Ivy Street in downtown Atlanta. The white newspaper lists him as Atlanta's most reliable builders. The same year, he's hired to build a multi-unit apartment house at 491 Auburn Avenue. If you've ever been to the Dr. King birth home, this is a building. It's like two doors down from the birth home and directly behind the fire station, and it's a burnt orange-pink color. Mary Delbridge is a white widow living on Spring Street, purchasing an empty lot to build a four-unit apartment building, and then three double shotgun houses in the alley. I researched Mary a little bit because, sadly, it's always surprising to find a woman in business in this time. And her story was pretty crazy. Her husband ran the Delbridge Paper Company, which went out of business. He then commits suicide, drowning himself at Lakewood, and leaving a large insurance payout to his family. There was drama in the newspapers because his body was never found, But also his brother stepped up and claimed that this was all planned out and he was due a portion of the money, but never got it. Either way, Mary had some money to spend. And for these grand plans, she hires Alexander D. to design and construct the apartment house at the front of the property and the double shotguns at the rear. This was his first solo job without his father. And so I always wonder if maybe he was nervous or maybe he was sad about it. I don't know. Um, The building had a bathroom which was a luxury at the time because only 15% of homes in the U.S. had a bathroom. And um, it's still standing almost exactly as it did when it was built. So it's definitely one of them to go see. In 1916, the firm of Hens, Reed, and Adler get the bid to design the new YMCA on Butler Street at the corner of Auburn Avenue. Alexander Hamilton is chosen as the builder. This is one of my favorite buildings in the city, and it's jam-packed with history. It was the YMCA where Dr. King played as a child and the makeshift precinct for Atlanta's first African-American police officers. Currently, the building is vacant, and it has been in a very sad state since suffering tornado damage in 2008. But it's still there, so it's one of those things you can also go see. In the same year he builds the YMCA, he does Robert Hall, a dormitory at Morehouse College. Named for the first president, Joseph T. Robert, it was also the first residence hall. So when Dr. King grows up and goes to Morehouse, his first dorm room was on the second floor. So let that sink in. The son of an enslaved man 
who rose to own his own business, builds two structures that MLK either plays in or lives in later in life. That is just magical. The following year, in 1917, Atlanta suffered a terrible fire that ripped through the Old Fourth Ward. Uh, You can learn about it all in episode 19, but the entire block of homes on Irwin Street between Hilliard and Jackson had been destroyed. And so with that rebuilding, um, we don't have exact records of which ones he built, but we know that Alexander Daniel uh, worked on many of these. I know I keep saying all these buildings are my favorite, but Leet Hall, which Hamilton built in 1920, is truly breathtaking. It's a gothic style. There's like a dark brick contrasting with the white trim. If you only go see one of Hamilton's works, make sure this is the one. It's originally part of Gammon Theological Seminary, and it became George Washington Carver High School in 1946. Today, it's called the New Schools at Carver, so I recommend going to check it out. Um, Do it on the weekend or when school's not in session. There's another iconic Atlanta structure that Hamilton worked on, but not originally. I've mentioned Big Bethel AME in probably half of my episodes, and at times it feels like I could play like six degrees of separation of Big Bethel because all roads lead to it. Episode 12 talks all about it, um, and it's clearly visible though to even the casual explorers because you can see it when you're sitting on traffic in the downtown connector. In 1922, the church had just finished a remodel and then it caught fire. After raising funds to rebuild, the job of doing so is given to Alexander Hamilton. And it was during this rebuild that the famous neon blue Jesus Save sign is affixed to the spire. Also in the early 20s along Auburn Avenue, there are smaller buildings he builds. Um, One of them was Ma Sutton's famous restaurant. And then, you know, we don't know for sure, but probably other buildings that are on either side of it or maybe down the block. In 1937, though, the cornerstone of Prince Hall Masonic Lodge, which still stands today at the corner of Auburn and Hilliard, is laid, and Hamilton was the one that did it. Now, he himself was a 33rd degree Mason, although his lodge is listed as St. James Lodge. I don't know if he eventually became a Prince Hall Mason. Um, He was also, though, an Odd Fellow, which is another fraternal organization down the street. So there you have your plans for the weekend, a grand tour of Alexander Hamilton's buildings. But there is one last place I really would like for you to see, and that is his home. In 1895, Alexander D. built the house at 102 Howell Street. This block was called Bishop's Row um, back in the day because several bishops that taught at Morris Brown lived on the street. Um, It was also home to African-American professors, colonels, real estate developers, and then even regular people. There was a letter carrier and a butcher. It was also the street that his father built his home on when they moved to Atlanta. When I first recorded this episode, the house had just opened as an Airbnb and I expressed how excited I was to stay in it. And so it's actually happening. Uh, my bike tour boss and co-workers gifted us a little staycation at the Hamilton Howell House for our wedding. So we are going to spend two days there in March um, and I will report back. If you'd like a bonus stop, in 1930, one of Alexander Daniel's sons, Henry Cook Hamilton, married a woman named Grace Towns, who in 1965 became the first African-American woman elected to the Georgia State Legislature. The home that Grace grew up in is still standing. It's right across from the Herndon home. Um, And then Henry and Grace's adult home is also standing. It's Caddy Corner, and all of these are on University Place. 
Just to keep the family history going a little further, I found that there is an Alexander Daniel Hamilton VI that exists um, who has an undergraduate degree from Morris Brown, a master's degree from Georgia State University, a master's degree from Yale, Divinity School, and then an MBA from Howard, and a JD from Howard, and a PhD from the University of Illinois. First, Morris Brown kind of is on the same campus as Atlanta University, so here is a descendant of Alexander Hamilton. And then knowing how much they valued education and then to see what someone in his family was to accomplish, it just makes me think that the original Alexander Hamilton would be so proud. Alexander D. died in 1944, and he and his wife and a few of their children are buried at Oakland Cemetery in the African-American section. So it's really amazing to be able to walk around the city and you can see where he lived, what he created, and then where he was laid to rest. And so there you have it the story of Alexander Hamilton and his family for the second time. If you've been to see these buildings or you plan to go, make sure to hashtag Archive Atlanta so I can see your pictures. Thank you guys for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes and then leave a rating or a review. If you'd like to support the podcast and receive bonus mini episodes for doing so, head on over to Patreon dot com forward slash archive Atlanta. I am releasing a mini episode tomorrow actually about the Sweet Auburn curb market. Hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.